Hey, it's John Williams. If your home struggled to stay warm this winter, then you know it's going to be hot this summer. Maybe it's those old leaky windows and doors. Call Next Door and Window, the company we hired. Right now, you'll get buy one, get one 30% off, plus 18 months of interest-free financing. So call 1-800-NEXT-DOOR right now. That's 1-800-NEXT-DOOR or go to 1-800-NEXTDOOR.COM. Great moments are born from great opportunity. Jordan with two seconds to go, puts it up, and scores at the buzzer! Michael Jordan has won it for Chicago! Today, I consider myself the luckiest man on the face of the earth. Said, how would you like to play for the Chicago Bears? From the WGN Allstate Skyline Studios in downtown Chicago, your preeminent Bears podcast. Picked off, intercepted by Kyle Fuller, still on his feet, into the end zone, pick six, Chicago. It's the Hogan Johns Podcast in front of a live studio audience. Touchdown, Trey Burton! With Adam Hogan my, oh my. and Adam Johns. Touchdown Bears! It's the Hogan Johns Podcast. Go Bears! What's up? Welcome in. This is our live Ask Us Anything podcast. We're going to need some noise from the audience here. Come on. Another outstanding open from Ernie Scatton, who's here. What's up, Ernie? That was some good. That moment where it went from like the Walter Payton thing to boom, that was that was pretty good. Well Seamless. Done. Well done. Uh, this is our first ever Ask Us Anything podcast, and it's presented by Houndstooth Saloon, 3369 North Clark in Chicago. They brought us the food tonight. It was pretty good. How about the sliders? Sli- yeah. sliders mac and cheese. Mac and cheese. Uh, and so we think... I got a uh, fan of the mac and cheese right here. Yeah. Yeah, no, that was good. It was good. So uh, we thank Houndstooth for dropping that by. Got a little bit more uh, news involving Houndstooth coming up here shortly for you guys as well. Um, so the way this works is we got a live studio audience. We've been giving away spots for this over the last... A uh, month and a half or so, and and our winners are here. They're going to have the opportunity to ask us questions, and because uh, we're trying to find a way to fill this dead time, the one month of the year where it's really dead. We could have went golfing. Uh, we could we could have maybe that would have been a better. Idea. We, we could have done. Could have invited people on an outing. Yeah. The, the That's one. an idea. Ooh, That's an idea. Hogan John's golf outing. Yes. Yes. Where were you we on that idea like six months ago? When we were thinking yeah. about this idea. Working. Yeah. Working. Anyway, we are in our performance studio. At WGN Radio. Uh, how about this view, guys? Right down the Chicago River. Perfect timing. <laughs> and uh, and Navy Piers right there. So uh, we wanted to share that with you guys. We're glad you came. And, of course, this is an actual podcast. So uh, everyone who's not here, still listening, uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, H-O-G-E, at Adam Johns, J-A-H-N-S. Our producer, Joe Romano, at Joey Joe Rowe. What's up, Joe? He's here. You got your mic? Are born great opportunity. Wrong button. Yeah. Um, That's right. You got your mic? Okay, there it is. I'm just making sure. We actually don't have 
our headsets and stuff here. This is all different for us. But anyway, what's up, Joe? Adjustment. <laughs> Things are good. Met some great people tonight. Bobby D's in the house. There he is. <laughs> Brett, can you pod that bag up? Do we do this officially? There we go. Culture. History. Spaghetti. These are the things of a boot country called Italia. Hello, I'm Joe Romano of Romano Tours. For two generations, my family has provided high-quality tours of Italy to people from all over the world, but mostly Long Island and Jersey. I, I still can't believe that was like a real SNL thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, Adam had <laughs> the full name, me. Joe Romano. Perfect. Uh, Joe has done so much work on this. And by the way, what time did you wake up today? 2.30. 2.30. Yep. It's still here as we record at 7 o'clock at night. And uh, what time will you be waking up tomorrow? 2.30, buddy. Okay. <laughs> he produces the Steve Cochran show in the morning. So uh, we thank him a lot for all the work he put in. He's the one that hassled you guys here in attendance. And uh, Thanks for coming. Found you. <laughs> so uh, you'll hear from Joe throughout the night as well. Of course, you can read us at wgnradio.com slash bears, theathletic.com, or on the Athletic app. You guys subscribe to The Athletic? Yep. Yep. Ooh, there we go. Okay. All right. There you go. Single clap. Welcome, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, Adam. Yes, exactly. And you can uh, search Hogan Johns. Rate and review the podcast. Please do. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, tune in. How many of you have rated the podcast? Yeah. And that wasn't as a, it wasn't as unanimous as the last one. The the athletic, yeah, yeah. Well, we need more people to do that. Then I guess hey, a bunch of people raised their hand, Adam. <laughs> okay, no, there was about it was about half the audience. <laughs> yeah, how many stars? Five. Five. Okay, yeah. good. That's important too. Let's go. We should specify that. Yeah. Don't rate it one star. Rate it five. Be a little bit more obvious about that. Um, okay, before we do anything here, we have to address something because there was one no show tonight, right, Joe? Oh boy, here it comes. But someone was going to come from Virginia for yep. this thing. The old seven four seven or whatever the area code in Virginia is. <laughs> the one you had to call? <laughs> yeah. So, but he was going to come. We were told, because we asked him, and I, we specified throughout the thing here, if you can't make it, you know. Don't try. We, we love you, but don't try to come. Yeah. So this guy was one of our winners, Zach, right, from Zach. Virginia. Mm-hmm. And you, you actually tried to talk him out of coming. I was encouraging him to stay in Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> but he insisted... And he was going to come until this morning you heard from him. Some flight issues. Hmm. Hmm. Now, are we buying this? I am not. No way. (laughs) (laughs) That was a resounding no. Some flight issues. (laughs) Yeah, you know, um, he he said he was in, and I would have loved to have seen him here, and obviously I don't have any reason to not believe him, but... Jeez. All right. Well, Zach, we love you anyway. Yeah. We appreciate that you listen. Sorry about the flight issues. And, uh, yeah, sorry about your flight issues. <laughs> but we're going to hook Zach up with some WGN swag, you know, for trying to come. You know, we appreciate him listening over there in Virginia. Uh, no. <laughs> All right, coach. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, we do have some exciting news to start with before we start taking questions from the audience. But Houndstooth Saloon brought the food tonight. There's a reason because uh, we are trying to put together more live shows this year uh, and, you know, kind of hopefully make it a sort of Hogan John's tour during the football season. I think everybody in this room thinks it's going to be a pretty exciting season. And um, we hope to continue to grow the podcast as we have, you know, through all the dark years. This is now our fifth season, which is incredible to think about. Uh, and so we all want to take advantage of what we think is going to be a special year for the Bears. And we think that our, our listeners, 
listeners are going to come out to a lot of these live shows. And so our first one that we are, I don't think it's going to end up being our first one because hopefully we're going to have one in Bourbon during training camp again. But September 4th, which is the night before the opener against the Packers at Soldier Field, we are going to have a live show at Houndstooth Saloon, 3369 North Clark Street, uh, right in the, I imagine with all the hype surrounding this game and there's going to be a party in Grant Park too, the night of the game. They're showing it. For those of you who aren't going to the game, you get a chance to watch it. And well, I don't know if they've announced the details of that yet, but it's somewhere downtown. I think it's going to be Grant. Oh, the watch party, yeah, yeah. Um, but you're, we're going to feel this buzz building for a while, and so we're we're going to have our own buzz building the night before the game at Houndstooth Saloon. So uh, we hope all of our literally listeners- a buzz building. Yep, <laughs> that's that's a good point. Um, maybe even from you and me. Yeah, <laughs> although we got to get yes. cover the next day, so we should be careful. We're sports writers, Adam, we got this. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, so those of you that were not able to join us tonight in our performance studio for this event, uh, we hope to see you out at our live shows, and we'll announce more of them as they come. But we're really excited about Houndstooth. We, if tonight was any indication with the food they brought, it's delicious. Uh, at least all you guys should be there because um, you got to enjoy the nice food tonight. So, um, yeah, we're going to start there with with that news that we're really excited to announce, and then take questions from you guys because that was the whole point of this. So, fire away! I've done enough talking. Ask John's all the questions. Fire away! Joe has the microphone. And um, so any questions you guys have, signal him down. If you did not bring a question, well, then what are you doing here? Because that was the whole point of this. Can you go make sure that's Should we ask people to say their name and where they're from? Yes, absolutely. We met everyone, but our listeners who are not here have not. Um, What's up? We good? Making sure the mic's on. We good. Okay. Uh, Name is Rich, and question is, who do you think is the most likely Bears draftee to make the Hall of Fame? This this class. From this class. This class. Anybody the Bears have drafted and is still playing with the team. Hmm. Still playing with the team. Yeah, I'm, I, I hear the Eddie Jackson. That's where my brain yes, was yes, going. Yes, yes, yes. Right away. Yeah. Um, I want to see him repeat it though. Yeah. My, my athletic com, uh, colleague and I, Kevin Fishbane, were debating this the other day for something he wrote. You know, I think Ed Reed had like five or six seasons where he had six interceptions or something like that. Um, I don't have the stats in front of me, but repeating what he did or something similar to it needs to happen if he's going to be one of the best safeties in the game. I think he has the skills to, to, to be that, but uh, the consistency and continuing to do that. Uh, like we, we all know that he, uh, that the Bears and other teams had a higher grade on him uh, than the fourth round selection that he was, um, but he had the broken leg. So the talent's always been there. Now if he can put it together, and obviously he's part of a good team, I mean, it, it could happen, but you need to see more. Um, Trubisky, who knows? Uh, I mean, with quarterbacks nowadays, they're going to put up crazy numbers, but those are the two draft picks that come to mind right away. I... It will go uh, just to go in a different direction. Name somebody else because I was so high on him that at the time that they drafted him, and I didn't see anything last year to to take me off that track. Was Roquan Smith? Oh, yeah. I, I think that he was, um, you know, sort of overshadowed last year by all the other good things that were happening on that defense. That he still led the team in tackles. I know. And, and that's kind of my point. I Played think one snap against the Packers. He's only going to continue to get better and more one, comfortable yeah. in that defense. Um, and so when it's all said and done, you look at what he did as a rookie, you, you keep 
multiplying that over your career and all of a sudden gold jacket becomes you know something that people start to talk about so and all point. that after being coached by mel tucker <laughs> which is crazy yeah that's, that's, a, that's a good point <laughs> all right who's up next uh chad from Pewaukee, wisconsin and my question is what do you think the odds are that bradley soul makes the 53-man roster the uh, position change is kind of risky because if he doesn't make it with the Bears as a tight end, he probably won't get picked up somewhere else, I wouldn't think. And then probably won't get catch on as an offensive tackle after losing all that weight. Um, so I was just wondering if you thought he has a pretty good shot. Yeah, see, see, like usually when a guy switches positions, it's like Taquan Mazel, like, see you, buddy. You're not a wide receiver. You're not making the team. There's no way. It's like giving a guy his last chance, you know, to make the team. Um, I think Bradley Soul's a bit different. I think Nagy has created a role purposely for him because they needed a bigger blocking tight end. Obviously, he likes them in some gimmicky plays, but it's almost as if it's like the Cordell Patterson situation where he's this zebra, whatever that is, or, or no, Trojan, sorry. Trojan. That's right. Trojan, sorry. Yeah. He's got wrong, wrong, <laughs> wrong position of Matt Nagy's office, the Trojan. Uh, I think something in. To a lesser extent, has happened with Bradley Soul. Uh, he's not obviously going to be on the field as much as Patterson, but obviously something is working for him under Nagy. And what that role is, we don't know. But I think he likes the versatility of having him be some type of hybrid position between offensive line and tight end. I, I, I mean, I think you talked about that pretty well. It seems like this is because let's not forget they they don't have Deion Sims anymore and I know Deion Sims didn't really do much last year but that's still a blocking tight end type position and so I think what what Nagy's done here is he's he's clearly not a, not afraid to innovate and come up with new positions and and put guys in in different spots um so from what we've seen so far which we can't even really get into too much detail about if Patterson's the Trojan what is Soul Keep it clean. Isn't he Santa? Because Santa's no, like... You could do better than that. <laughs> Where, you told me to keep it clean. So I brought up the I cleanest thing I could bring up. Santa Claus. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I think I think uh, right now, as we talk on uh, June 26, I actually think there's a pretty good shot he makes. Yeah, I think he makes the team. Yes. You, you brought up a good point, though. If he doesn't, yeah. he, he, he dropped his weight... It's going to be hard to catch on with another team right away as a as an offensive lineman. So that is a a risky thing that he did. So I had to imagine that they there's some type of arrangement there. I would you yeah. you would hope so. Yeah. Who's next? Uh, Tom from Schaumburg. Uh, Who is the most important player in your opinion, uh, not under contract after the 2019 season? Who not under contract? Danny Trevathan, this is his last year, yeah. right? I'm, I'm trying to visualize the the, the charts of the, the the contracts. I mean, obviously, uh, there's some big extensions coming up. Cody Whitehair is due one. Uh, Eddie Jackson maybe after this year will get one. Tariq Cohen maybe after this year will get one. Now they're still in their contract past this season, um, but they're due for extensions. But Cody Whitehair is not under contract. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But th- th- I imagine that's going to get done before the year. It's going to be a tricky one because he's switching positions from center to guard, and guards make a lot more money than centers, but he hasn't played guard um, in a while. So, yeah, Danny Trevathan, uh, I don't know if they've drafted his replacement in Iwe Beniwe. I haven't used his name in a while. 
That was pretty good. That's good. That's Joel, good. You, I thought you were pretty rusty to be. Yeah, honest. yeah. I, 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 I thank you. I kind of yeah. stuttered over it. Um, I don't know if he's his replacement. I don't know if Kukowski's his replacement. Um, although I think Kukowski's a serviceable starter, but even even you got to consider his future coming up. I think he's on his third year. Uh, you know, he's part of the long term future. So um, you got you pulling it up there. You got your computer. Yeah, but no, you're you're on it. It's Trevathan. It's, it's Danny Trevathan. I mean, unless you're going to go Prince of Mukamara. Trevathan. Yeah, I, I would I would agree with that too. Yeah, it's hard to believe it's already the last year of his contract. Um, but you know, it tells you that he's earned it because his base salary up to five point eight million dollars this year. You know, this was a backloaded contract. A lot of times in the NFL, you never you don't ever see that yeah, last year of yeah. the contract. And yeah, man, how many guys have we seen from the John Fox era get cut? You know, mm-hmm. Jarrell Freeman obviously had his issues. Deion Sims didn't last long. Uh, who was that receiver? Marcus Wheaton. Remember him? God. Yeah. He was so, a nice guy, though. He was a really nice guy. He was a, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Super nice guy. That was probably his, that yeah. was probably his problem. He, was talk, he talked to us too much. Yeah. Yeah. That was it. Hey, guys. Uh, my name's Matt. Um, <clears throat> Hi, Matt. How's it going? <laughs> with, the, um, with the skills and the talent on the team this year, I feel like one position that we're going to see a lot of competition is with receivers and with drafting Radley Ridley in the fourth round. Um, with having whims, kind of having your underbelt in the offense, a guy like Emmanuel Hall signing as an undrafted free agent. You're signing guys like Hall from the Falcons last year. How do you see that re- uh, receiver room shaking out this year? I mean, it's hard to tell right now because there's just so many, there's so many bodies. You know, when they drafted Riley Ridley, I, I think one of my first reactions was to be like, well, that's not good for Javon Wims. And then Javon Wims stood out more than a lot yeah, of other he's, players. He's working with the starters. And it, which I don't really put too much stock in because that tends to change real quickly. In the, in it's the better than working season. with Tyler Bray. But yeah, it's it, it, it's better than working with Tyler Bray exactly, which you know could have been a possibility with with. And by the way, that's not to say that Riley Ridley's not getting um, some action up there towards the top of the yeah. depth chart too. The what they're doing um, is kind of letting everyone get their opportunities and, and leaving this thing pretty wide open, I think. So um, it, it's it's a, a good position for the Bears, who certainly have struggled at that position for a really long time. And then when they had somebody like Brandon Marshall, he was Brandon Marshall, um, which created a whole another list of problems. But yeah. these, are, these are all pretty good options. I don't think anybody is, uh, you know, a top five receiver in the league by any means, but... Matt Nagy's offense and system is all about putting weapon after weapon after weapon on the field all nice the way matches. across the board. And and I think that that's going to be even more evident right away in week one this year than it was even in that playoff game against yeah. the Eagles. See, like Patterson, again, he's this, this Trojan position newly created by, by Matt Nagy to do a variety of different things. So I don't know if you even count him amongst... The, the the receivers in, in that competition because obviously he's going to make the team right Patterson is a is, he's a lock um, but he's like another hybrid guy maybe there's another hybrid category for what Matt Nagy is trying to create here offensively um, Emmanuel Hall could be a medical redshirt we haven't seen him since his sports um, what do you have, sports hernia surgery yeah yeah so we haven't seen him in a while he he's obviously a candidate for for that uh, Marvin Hall's worked with the ones too Javon Wimps has been good Riley Ridley. I mean, I think he's a lock for the team, too, just because he's a fourth-round pick. He's been impressive. You just have a variety of different guys 
now too, right? Like before, it used to have like Alshon Jeffrey and Brandon Marshall, big body guys. You don't have that anymore. You have the the speedsters and Hall and Gabriel. You have Cohen. I mean, he's like a hybrid guy. Like where where does he fit in? You have Anthony Miller, who's your zebra guy, and, and you just have so many different talents. A, a, a wide array of, of skill sets there, size, speed. Uh, I think Nagy loves that. So they could probably keep. I, I I think they will actually keep six or seven receivers, seven if you count Patterson, but I think that's where it's trending. And uh, Carlos Santos. Him too. <laughs> Who's next? Go ahead. <laughs> hey, guys. Uh, my name is Scott. I'm from right here in Chicago. Thanks for having us. Um, so – in the last few months since the season ended, we've heard a lot of praise for Mitch. Nagy saying things like he's graduated from 101, he's moving on to 202 or whatever. So um, what does that mean to you? Like, what do you think you want to see out of Mitch to be considered graduated to the next level? Well, I, I think the the biggest thing that you point to is once you understand, as a quarterback, once you understand your own offense, you start being able to spend more time on the opposing defense. And I'm not just talking week to week, but that is part of it. I mean, there's only so many hours in a week where you can prep for games. And if you're spending so much of that time on your own game plan, on your own system, then you're spending less time on the opposing defense that you're planning for in that week. But I'm talking even in between games. I mean, instead of him having to spend half the play clock, getting the play from his coach, getting it out. Now that's still all going to happen, but it's all going to happen a lot quicker. And so he's going to get more time at the line of scrimmage to diagnose what he's seen and using that prep that he was able to get during the week, what kind of fronts he's seen. Um, I think one thing that we can't diagnose week to week because we don't know the playbook. We don't know the assignments on every single play. Sometimes were there were there situations last season where he misdiagnosed the front, where he had his offensive linemen, you know, looking left when they should have been looking right, something like that. Sometimes we see sacks that look like, oh, how's that guy completely uncovered? And oftentimes that's on the quarterback. So those are all kinds of things where I think when he was in one on one to use Matt Nagy's terminology almost all of last year he's worrying about his own system his own play calls everything like that where now it's second nature and he can worry more about opposing defenses which should help all those which should help the decision making across the board yeah. when you're able to diagnose things pretty well, everything you just said is one reason why the bears kept cody whitehair at center last year they didn't want to expose james daniels a 20 year old to all the stuff the centers have to do to help out their quarterback who's learning a new offense. That's why Cody Whitehair remained Mr. Trubisky center for the first year of Matt Nagy's offense. And, and just in general, I, I think too many people want to rush these quarterbacks, especially nowadays. And, and look, I, I get it. You see some guys have instant success. Everybody has different paths, you know. See some guys have success like RG3, then completely flame out. Who knows what Mahomes is going to be? But we all know 50 touchdown passes is an outlier. I mean, those don't happen every single season. Uh, I just think that so many, whether it's media, fans, analysts, pundits, even teams and owners, want to rush these quarterbacks into something that they're not ready for. And we've seen so many quarterbacks flame out early because of all the pressure, all the mistakes, and not doing the right things around them. It sounds like, I I believe the Bears have surrounded with Trubisky with 
a, a lot of resources from Childress to Ragon to Chase Daniel to even Tyler Bray. I mean, they, they've surrounded him with a lot of voices. They're giving him time. Nagy seemed to come in with a plan, like a plan that was not in place when John Fox was here. They had a plan for Mitch Trubisky. That was not there in year one for John Fox. So I, I just think in, in general, I know teams want to win right away. I know fans want to win right away, but sometimes it takes these quarterbacks two, three, four years. I mean, Drew Brees didn't become Drew Brees till like year five. Now look at them. These guys take time to find their comfort level in these offenses, to find their comfort level reading defenses, to find their comfort level with their receivers. Give them time. Give Mitch time. I think he'll be good. I'm worried about this next question. Yeah, yeah. Hoggy Cat, John Z. Babs, it's uh, Bobo Dabrowski here, long-time listener, long-time caller. First time here in the uh, NASDAQ Performance Center studio. It's beautiful digs you guys got here. I love it. Love it. You got a view of the lake and a building. Um, <laughs> Careful, my, that's a hotel now. Uh, it's a, we just still a building, is it we'll... not? Um, <laughs> my question to you guys, uh, is there any truth to the rumor that uh, the Chicago Bears are thinking of trading uh, with New Orleans, sending Adam the Grizzly Giant Shaheen down for uh, Zion Williamson to play tight end for the Chicago <laughs> Bears? And if so, would you do it? Would you say that Zion's potential outweighs Shaheen the Grizzly Giant's uh, proven on-field touchdown scoring and two-point scoring potential? <laughs> Thank you, and I'll hang up and listen to your answer. <laughs> yeah, how many how many touchdowns was it that uh, thirty five that you put minimum thirty five? <laughs> I don't know that Zion Williams would put thirty five touchdowns on the board. Yeah, <laughs> Adam Sheen's number one fan. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. Do Zion Williams could play tight end in the NFL. Yes, he could play tight end in the NFL. Just like LeBron James could have played tight end in the NFL. But he hasn't. When's the, did he even play football? I don't know. He's don't just know. a massive human being. Yeah. He's pretty good. You've seen him jump? He's throwing the ball. Yes, I have. I watched college football or basketball. Um, Shaheen is doing jujitsu. So look out for that. Sounds dangerous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, to be honest, Shaheen's always looked good at this time of year. I think he's looked good. Real good, actually. Um, he's had a couple of splash plays in OTAs and minicamp. Um, he's lost some weight, so he's staying away from the Chipotle a little bit. Uh, but uh, it's all about staying healthy. It's really it. Yeah, and, and well, it's all about staying healthy, and then we'll get a real idea of what he can be. I mean, so far, uh, you know, two pretty good. They're excuses, basically, but you know, he's a rookie uh, coming from a D two school. His, first year and then uh last year he looked incredible I, I mean i thought he looked really good in the preseason and he gets hurt and wasn't the same guy so yeah. um but yeah, i'm not going to compare him to kevin white because i think he's shown more even in the preseason than kevin white ever yeah. did yeah. but it's still sort of that all right how long do you keep talking about potential until it gets delivered and right now we're still in the spot where i think he could be a key player but year three i think this is where you find out a yeah. lot about a lot of guys you know looking back at the whole kevin white thing you know, you always you just kept wanting to see something. Every every day we went to practice. All right, Kevin White, let's let's see something. He started to look ordinary, really ordinary by what his third fourth year. Did not look fast. Did not look athletic. Shaheen still gives you glimpses, flashes of that potential. Yeah. What else? Go ahead. I'm listening. Hey guys, it's uh, Matt. Um, unfortunately, I'm friends with Bob Dabrowski. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
fortunate fortunate enough to see you guys live at Corlin's Garage. Um, listen to every episode and uh, appreciate everything you guys do. And it's awesome to be here. But uh, quick question, uh, kind of two-parted. Um, and I know you don't sit in the room with Ryan Pace and, you know, the team and everything. But uh, where do you think, if you had an idea where David Montgomery stood on their draft board. I know that, uh, I think it's Josh Jacobs that went to the Raiders, and then Miles Sanders went to Penn State Eagles. Um, Was he number one on their draft board? It seems like there were ties to him from the start. Uh, They've obviously fallen in love with him, and you watch him on film, and he just explodes and runs into the tackler. The second piggyback part of that question is Riley Ridley, and obviously they reach up for him a little bit. Was he top three, top five, or, or where where do you think those guys stood in terms of uh, their draft work? For, for Montgomery, the Bears' draft was so different because it started with, what, number 87? Is that, yep. that, so you practically had to eliminate a lot of guys, what, maybe 50 players or something like that, and hope, in some respect, that some of these guys that you have ranked around 70 will be there in the 80s. So when the Bears did their research, and I kind of wrote about this on The Athletic, they kind of projected uh, Champ Kelly, Josh Lucas, those are like Ryan Pace's right-hand men in the office there, uh, that he would be around the 70, 75 range uh, in terms of uh, – draft selection, just in terms of trends and history and all that and, and the teams and needs and stuff. So they had him slotted right. And, and so days before the draft, um, or even weeks, and, and then days, they do it multiple times, is they go through these trade scenarios and how you can move up. So literally, the like two days before the draft, they mocked that trade with the Patriots. The exact trade that went down, they, they had mocked it. To themselves, because all teams do mock drafts to themselves just to see how things play out. So that trade, they mocked, so they were okay with it. So um, it did not take them long at all to once New England gave them a thumbs up, they were all in because they they were all in two days ago on it. So yeah, their board was a bit different because it started at eighty seven. But in terms of Montgomery, um, I think once they hit that third round cloud, they had to move up to get them. Does that make sense? In a way, okay. Yeah, and and I don't. Yeah, if you include Josh Jacobs in the mix, I don't know if you're asking is David Montgomery their their top running back out of everybody in the entire draft. I don't necessarily know. It's possible though because I think the one thing we've seen is they had a very specific idea of what they wanted from the running back position, yeah. and from everything we heard post draft, David Montgomery fit to a T what Matt Nagy wanted. So um, when you consider that they didn't have a first, second round pick, it's it certainly worked out and you understand why they traded up. Now the one guy I'm, we'll never know the answer to this probably, but Daryl Henderson from Memphis went just a couple picks earlier at number 70 to the Rams. And I don't cover the Rams, but everything I've heard in the offseason so far, it's been very similar coming out of Los Angeles, what we're hearing here in Chicago with Montgomery. They love this kid. He's going to be in the mix. Now, obviously, they have Ty Gurley there, so it's a little bit of a different situation. But 
I think we saw last year Gurley's getting some mileage on him and maybe can't be counted on to be the workhorse anymore. So Daryl Henderson, when I just watch him, seemed to be a similar type running back, somebody that can run routes really fast um, and can get a lot of um, – using a lot of speed situations like that. So I don't know. Maybe Daryl Henderson was somebody they like too. We'll never know the answer to that question, but it is pretty obvious they like David Montgomery a lot. Yeah, in terms of Riley Ridley, um, according to Pace and the Bears, that was the top player by far left on their board um, when his when that fourth-round selection came up. So um, Yeah, that one felt a lot different in that they didn't expect to have him at the end of the yeah, week. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, I think they really were hoping to get David Montgomery. Whereas with Ridley, I think it was just something that sort of developed during the draft, and they're like, "Hey, we love this kid, and he's still there somehow at this spot." And let's go. Yeah, I, I don't and, even think they, they they explored many trade down scenarios either. He was that high up on their board. They're like, "Well, oh, just just take him." And I think that's the right move. And I, I know you're kind of loaded at receiver, like Matt's question uh, alluded to. It's but that's how you build from within. You can't have all these guys in big time contracts because you got to pay your quarterback eventually. You got to pay Eddie Jackson eventually. You got to pay your star running back, kick returner eventually. These guys need to get paid, and you need young guys coming up, and really seems to fit that bill. By the way, the questions do not all have to be Bears related. No. I'm just, I'm just You're really opening this. I to... you can say that at the end when they were all done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hi, I'm Jeff um, from the suburbs of Chicago, but coming from East Lansing today. Go green. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, so Easy, Joe. <laughs> no. <laughs> so a little bit of a change of pace, but kind of on, in the same vein. Um, growing up, I used to think I was going to be a sports journalist, and then I chickened out in college. Um, but something I, I used to blog for Black Hawk Up a little bit, and... Uh, Something I always like wished I could eventually do is like get in the locker room and like talk to these guys that I essentially idolized, and I, I always kind of wondered like. And Mark Lazarus from the Athletic wrote an article a while back about like how professional athletes kind of like lose their fandom for like other sports. Um, and I was just wondering if like that's kind of a similar experience for the two of you. Like, is like coming and meeting Pace and uh, Matt Nagy and Trubisky all the time. Is there still like the kind of like the the little kid in you that's like, wow, this is super cool, or is that kind of faded at this point? The moment I have, I guess, the little kid moment is like the the minute leading up to kickoff, where this sounds like poetic, but when there is nothing else to worry about, the deadlines um, far away. I guess I don't really have that anymore with with the athletic, but. The deadline's far away. Um, there's no work to be done at that exact moment, and you're just waiting for the kickoff, and the guys are setting up. You have that, like, oh, this is a damn cool job as you're about to watch a football game. Like, someone's literally paying me to do this. You're like, you, you feel that. But then, yes, over the years, you get to know these guys. I, I've been sworn at. I've been I've been ignored. I've been, um, I don't want to say threatened, but like... Uh, yeah, maybe a little bit threatened. <laughs> uh, um, uh, Certain conversation on a football field in Denver last year comes to mind to me. Yeah, oh, I remember walking into the Bears locker room, you know, someone with, the, you know, the, the jersey number one and five on it, you know, like swearing at us, like, I'm not ask, answering any of your bleep and bleep and bleep and questions. This is before we even ask the question. So you deal with altercations like that. Um, uh, so... Yes, you, you get a bit jaded. Um, I always tell people that you know you don't root one way or the other. I mean, I grew up in Chicago. You don't root one way or the other, but it's better covering 
a winner. Nobody likes covering the three and thirteen Mark Tressman Bears or whatever they were. You know, that's just was John Fox went three and thirteen. The three and thirteen John Fox Bears, whatever. Yeah, bad football, but. Like that's not fun after a while. Um, so last year was was refreshing. I mean, I, I covered the the Hawks Cup run in twenty ten. That, that that was wild. I mean, that team was phenomenal, gifted, young. They partied hard, played hard, all that stuff. So um, I had a lot of fun covering that team. But yes, your relationships with these players can. I want to say, you know, I'm getting that like make it make you jaded a bit, where you lose your fandom, um, and it takes a few years to get that back. Well, part of one the, in five was Dick Buckus swearing at you, dude. One in five. <laughs> <laughs> now that would be intimidating. <laughs> you know, I think part of part of the uh, experience of being a fan that makes it special is you're not around these guys all the time. Like you're you're not going to every single game um, for most sports. And if you are going to every single game as a season ticket holder for the bears, there's less games in a year. So it's still a, you know, sort of a special event when you, when you go or if you're um, watching on TV. So I think, I think just naturally being around these people every single day that wears off. But part of it too is, is your training. It's like any, any job, like you study for whatever you do, um, you learn in our business that you have to be objective and um, that all kind of goes out the window. Now, there's still, I have these moments every once in a while. And if you follow me on Instagram, you might have seen one of these even last week that I pointed out, um, which, it, you know, we, we go on Sports Talk Live every once in a while on NBC Sports Chicago, and you're exposed to, you know, mostly people in the media, but every once in a while they have a guest in studio or something like that that's a little different um, that, that, that you get to meet. But Ozzie Gian works for them, and yep. I've gotten to know Ozzie a little bit, you know, through the years working in this business and the work I do with the White Sox doing pre and post, so I've been around him enough. But something still about being on TV with Ozzie Gian, the guy that, you know, He's one of two managers in the city in a hundred years that have won a World Series. It's still like I like I had to check myself last week. Like, oh, I'm standing next to Ozzie Gein on television. Like that was that was a rare moment for me where it still kind of kind of hits you and you just sort of have to like. It's a good thing to do, I think, because we need to have these moments in this business where we because uh, it's like any other job. You you have bad days. Uh, it feels like work and. Certainly what we do is not work compared to what yeah. most people do. And so it's good to have kind of those moments where you check yourself and you think about, man, this yeah, is actually... Yeah, I, I try to keep a good, proper perspective on things, right? Like, I'm not a police officer. I'm not in the military or anything like that. I get paid to watch football. And I, I feel like so many people in our profession could get so negative about certain things and look for certain negatives and stuff like that. And I get it. If you're covering a 5-11 and 11 football team, there's going to be a lot of negatives. But some of that just seems exhausting after a while, right? I'm not naturally a negative person. Um, again, I try to keep perspective on what my job is. You know, I'm here to inform and essentially entertain. That's what I'm doing. I, I want you to enjoy the sport and team that you love. Just that that's my job is to keep you informed and keep you entertained. And it's sports. It's supposed to be fun. It's a game. It's supposed to be fun. So I try to keep that in mind all the time. That Friday at the Bears 100 celebration too was another one of those moments. And, and I said this on the podcast yeah, I really wasn't looking forward to that weekend that much because you know it was going to be a long weekend of working and all this stuff. And then you're you're standing there on Friday as the the Bears are ushering in gold jacket after gold jacket for you to interview, 
and it's like there was one moment where it's like uh, Richard Dent standing here, Mongo standing here, Devin Hester standing over there, William Perry's in a wheelchair down here, and you're like, man, yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, this is this is incredible that all these people are in in one room. Bradley Souls right there. <laughs> <laughs> And my guy, that, that happened though. I'm not lying. That happened. The guy Ahmad yeah. Merritt walked through, <laughs> who I played basketball with. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So you know, it's and then there's the John Fox years. Yeah. 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 That was easy. Siesta. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciated what Gary Fensick said at the 100 celebration yeah. about John Fox because you know the as much um, could we hate complaining about. It's, it has to do with this question because you don't want to constantly complain about a guy that you're covering um, because fans don't really want to hear that. But I think it got to a certain point with that guy that if I was a fan, I would have been upset because I, f- I would feel like he's disrespecting me too. Yeah. By by And what Gary Fensick basically said was he made it seem like we weren't valuable enough to know this information. Yeah. You know, that, that we weren't important enough to know the answers to these questions that were being asked. And he's representing your team. Exactly. And so I think I think as a fan you can respect when Matt Nagy says once or twice a press conference, well I'm not going to get into that for competitive reasons or or uh, you know injury reasons or anything, not give too much detail. I think you can uh, appreciate that to a certain point when the guy is thoughtfully answering the rest of the question. Yeah. And John Fox Treated every question like that, no matter what it was. We played an example last week where, like, we asked him three different ways if Alshon Jeffrey was open on that throw from Brian Hoyer, and then at the end of it, he was like, "Yeah, he was open on tape." Yeah, and it was like, "Why didn't you say that?" Yeah. yeah. <laughs> What's up? Awesome. What's going on, guys? I'm Liam. I'm from uh, hailing from Logan Square, but originally from St. Charles. Um, I guess my question is, what's your guys' favorite soundboard um, bit or like track to use? Ooh. What's your favorite one? Ooh. I'm really digging the new Joe Romano one. Yeah. If you want to know my opinion, I'm a Carlos Santos guy. So. Yeah. Yeah. That one's probably the most See, like, played at this point. As much as we rip. Oh, and I he love. Was, the- he just kept giving and he's like, you know, like <laughs> sound bites and yeah. stuff. It was too easy sometimes. I do love this one. Hello, everyone. This is Al Riveron. <laughs> <laughs> I'm convinced he's a robot. <laughs> he might be. Yeah. Yeah, play that again. That is a robot talking. Hello, everyone. This is Al Riveron. It's a robot. <laughs> I'm not wrong in thinking that, right? That's very robotic. And then we don't we don't play this one enough from our guy Ernie. Conversation. 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 That was the shortest lived segment on the Hogan Johns podcast. <laughs> that was good for one pod. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, those are my favorites. So Holy take Moses. that and think about that for a little bit. Oh, that one's good, too. All right, I'm going to give the front row some love. I, I, go ahead. How you guys doing? Rich uh, from St. Edward's Parish. Go Big Red. There we go. <laughs> uh, so, question. When you guys see the Bears schedule come out, what are some of the cities that you guys are like, oh, man, I'm excited to go there? And on the flip side, you see, you look at it, you're like, God, we got to go back there again. Well, first of all, the uh, I'm, I'm surprised the Marriott website doesn't crash on the day the NFL schedule comes out. Yeah. Because the sports writers everywhere booking – all not just like one night but i'll typically book like make like three different reservations for one trip yeah yeah because you can always cancel later you you don't know when you're gonna go if you're gonna stay for two nights three nights because the game can get flexed because you don't do your flights right away right yeah yeah Um, nashville's up there nashville's kind of become a a little bit crazier than it 
it was maybe during the, the Hawks 2010 Cup run. It's a little bit bigger. Um, that is one thing that we are all very happy about, that the instead of playing the Browns in the oh, last yeah, preseason yeah, game, yeah, it's now going to yeah. be the Titans going yeah. forward. See, I, I don't mind going to Green Bay, uh, to be honest with you, because you know I went to school at St. Norbert's up there, so it's like going home a little bit. Um, That's and, actually my favorite it's a beautiful stadium. That's my favorite stadium. It's actually a beautiful stadium. It, just it's to just give them all, give the Packers credit. I mean, it's a, it is a beautiful stadium. Um, no, no. <laughs> and it's a college-like atmosphere. Yeah. You know? So, so like this year, uh, Denver's a good trip, but they're coming here, aren't they? No, we're oh, going there. We're going there. Denver. Yeah, I can't remember. Um, anywhere in California, I'll take it. Uh, I'm trying to think of places I haven't. San Francisco uh, was great last year. Seattle's fun. It's, to be just in general. It's not like the hockey schedule where you get stuck in Edmonton where it's like minus 20 in November. I mean, what the heck is that? Um, winter. Winter. In November? Well, Worst Canada. cold I ever felt was in Canada and in a train line up there. Um, the the NFL cities, just in general, um, I think are overall pretty good. Even Cleveland's not too bad. I don't like I don't like Cleveland. I'm with Joe Kim Noah on that one. <laughs> Nobody says I'm going to go vacation in Cleveland. Oh. Okay. Is that what he said? Yes. Yeah. What's so, up? Um, this is Ernie from Oak Park. First time uh, caller. Uh, you, sound, you sound familiar. Do you guys hang out on the road or do you stay as far away from each other as possible because you're always together here? Or, like, how do, how do you two interact on the road? Uh, yes, we hang out. Uh, I We usually spend more time waiting for Adam Johns than we do <laughs> hanging out with Adam Johns. <laughs> but once, you like that once, joke. He arri- once he arrives. <laughs> Notice who the last person in the studio was tonight. We have to keep the bit going. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, we do. I mean, a lot. Bur- yeah, Bur- yeah. One of the honest to God, one of the best parts about training camp at Bourbon A is when we're all done with our work at night. We usually have uh, it's the most time we spend together. All the all the beat writers for the Bears is in Bourbon A at nights. We usually go out to dinner and go to TJ Donlins. Yeah, it's yeah. A pretty good Beer, beers and bags, and, and it's funny because everyone. Uh, there are a couple people who like bash TJs. Mm-hmm. I'm not going there. Um, but and even those of us that do go, they like complain like, "Oh, it's just a dive bar. We're going. To-. It's fun. Yeah. Do I want to live there? No. But for a couple, but weeks, you don't want to stay in your hotel room, right? For a couple you know? weeks, I th- I actually think maybe I'm going on a limb here. I think bourbon is fun. For like two weeks, and then usually by the end of the second week, I'm like, I'm glad this is ending. I miss the I miss the dorms. We used to yes. stay in the dorms, and it, it no lie, it was like going back to college for all these sports writers. And I, was it our last year we got reprimanded for goofing around too much? Remember that email? Uh, yes, but yeah. I was out of town that night. You were? Yeah, I was not. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, we got reprimanded for moving the furniture in the common area. Area, you know. Remember, everybody remembers the old dorms. So imagine this this hallway. <laughs> Maybe it was there. Yeah, yeah. So we came home from TJ Donlins, and there was a couple new writers on the beach. So we decided to stack the furniture in front of their dorm rooms for practices in the morning. Were you there that night? Whose whose room was Kevin Fishbane got it? Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Jeff Joniak got it. I was gonna say I, th- <laughs> I thought we put it in front of Joniak's room. Oh yeah, and, then he, was there that and he flung the door open. Yeah, that was that was that was hilarious. But yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, the, the dorms were really fun. Now we're all, all local hotels. Um, but yeah, that that was yeah we 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 hang out. Yes, go back to their Ernie's question. Who sent the email, Virginia? 
Uh, the Bears. Yeah, yeah, yeah the Bears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not lying. I, I could probably look it up. We got reprimanded for moving the common area furniture. It's a fire hazard, of course. Was that still a Mike Corbo? That was a Mike Corbo uh, operation, but yeah, that was a fun night. That would be fun to find and read before we get out of here. Yeah. The last thing Brad Biggs and I, my, my chief competitor at the Tribune, worked on together was stealing Larry, Larry Mayer's cart golf cart <laughs> after a night at TJ Downing's yes. and parking it by the player's entrance. Yes. Yeah. Fun times. <laughs> was it? I think there was one night where Larry Mayer, they just flipped it over. Yeah, I was part of that too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's you gotta have fun. That's awesome. All right, who's next? Hey, this is Evan. I'm living here in Chicago from Logan Square, like my boy Liam, uh, originally from Barrington. Um, I want to know, I know you guys have been covering the Bears for, what, about five seasons, you said now, give or take. Um, Out of any, you know, players, coaches, and Hogue, even for you, this could apply to, you know, your White Sox experience. Have there been any players or coaches that maybe that you've interviewed, you know, more than a few times that that you miss you know maybe if they've left the team or you know someone that has kind of stuck out to you that you may or may not want to you know talk to again and catch up with Ooh. um the answer to that is yes um the best example i can bring up since you brought up the white Sox is paul canerco because he was like our go-to guy every single day and he was a star player a lot of times the star players aren't the guys that want to talk every single day. Um, we're kind of going through that with Khalil Mack right now, who by all accounts is a great teammate, hard worker, uh, and a nice guy. Just doesn't seem to really love talking to the media, which is fine. Um, that's nothing. That's no different. I'm trying to think of the Bears. Guys that left recently. That, Peanut. Yeah, Jay Cutler. Hmm. Well, we, we had Peanut at the tail end of... His career, though, honestly, Peanut yeah. and I've told him this to his face. He's been he's been better with me at least since yeah. since he stopped playing than than he was. And again, at the, at the end, it was those were some rough days yeah, overall the, for the those team. Those Tressman years were, were really tough to cover, just because the players. I don't think they didn't like the coaches. Coaches didn't like them. Players didn't like each other, and it was. I do yeah, wish it the was not good, yeah. was around when Mark Tressman was here, though. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Because of some good stuff that we could have on the cell. I'm just going to give you a little content for the day. Like, yeah, that. yeah, exactly. <laughs> go on a five-minute rant. I, I don't know. Um, Marion Hosa stands out to me. Um, I've shared the story a few times when the, when the lockout ended. Um, I had to do stories, you know, when the, the NHL lockout. God, when was it? The, the their second cup 2013 or whatever it was and I, I reached out to all these players um you know sent text messages to keith sharp um taze all these guys in, in hosa as well and he called me back right away and we had kids we have kids around the same age and the first five minutes of a 15 minute conversation we're just sharing stories about our kids like he was generally a good guy um hall of fame talent didn't get all the attention like Kane and Taze did, but he was just as good, just as valuable to those teams. Um, he was a good guy. So that, that that whole Hawks team in 2010 was full of characters. You know, there was like a – they're not like the 85 Bears, but they had that 85 Bears vibe to them because you, you had 
big gregarious guys that loved to have fun. You know, you had some bad boys, you had some goofballs, you know, you had guys who rapped, you know. I mean, the, the parade here in 2010 was ridiculous. All those guys were loaded. You know, like like a guy literally... That's pretty powerful, of course, for, though, with a hockey parade. People forget that Christopher Stieg, right over here, rapped in front of like yeah. two million people. Like it's... That that was an interesting team. Was it good? I, I can't remember the rap. Oh yeah, you don't, no, it's better than Duncan Keith. No, a Braveheart. A couple of years oh, later, yeah. um, but that team was special. Um, I will say this Bears team has a lot of likable guys as opposed to a few years ago. Um, just guys who are more real, more genuine. Not I'm a football player. You know, I have no time of day for you. They they seem to really. I don't care in a sense. Not just about fans, but like they're just better people. Does that make sense? Well, yeah, yeah. like like uh, if if Prince isn't on the team after the, Prince is great to talk to. Yeah, he wants to talk. He's he's open. He wants to be in the media when he's done playing. Yeah. So he, he takes advantage of it. Uh, I can give you an example. One player who's no longer here um, that I enjoyed talking to. And that was Cam Meredith. Yep, Cam was always good. Um, so, you know, maybe not a superstar, but he was you know, number one wide receiver last year yeah. uh, uh, before getting hurt. So, um, Pernell McPhee was a riot. That was, um, it was appointment interview every week yes. for like yes. different reasons. Yes, yes. Like, Willie Young was okay. Uh, Hicks? Hicks is still. Hicks is good. Yeah, Hicks is yeah. good. Um, but, but in general, the culture feels better. Uh, not only are the players better, like significantly as players themselves on the field, it just seems to they generally like each other as opposed to like the the Tressman era, where again nobody liked each other. It's just different. In love media. <laughs> that was Josh sitting. Yeah, I don't think he. He's got it. other sound bites on that board too, doesn't he? That's, no, that was Mitch on Ryan. You're thinking of. So this is my first time ever doing this. So yeah, don't give me too hard of a time. Smoking them, smoking. That's the one press conference. Yes. What? The smoking meats. Oh yes. Oh yeah. Where's that one? Josh, who's the best um, meat smoker of your offensive line? Um, what do you mean by meat smoker? <laughs> so that's our friend Stacy Dales, who's on the podcast yes, last, last week, week, asking the question. And that laugh was Patrick Finley. There's someone asked about Patrick Finley earlier in in the green room. That laugh was Patrick. Finley. Uh, where, where's our friend Patrick Finley? <laughs> George. <laughs> All right, question in the back. Yeah, sure. Hey, guys, this is uh, Pete. I'm uh, also friends with Bob Dabrowski here, um, which I guess proves he has other friends other than his, his mom, his dad, and his pet chinchilla. But, uh, wow. So I guess I'll, I'll preface this. Holy Moses. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll set the stage here. Instead of walking into the studio and finding a uh, dis- dysfunctional chair, you find a uh, magic lamp, and you rub it, and uh, out pops a genie wearing a hoodie and cut-off sleeves, and he says, you've got to keep one of the two. I'm about to say. The other one, you have to give the city of Boston since they're a star of the championships. Either the 85 Bears or Michael Jordan. Oh. Oh. Is that an option? Yeah. You know what? I, I, this question is actually going to be easy for me. Yeah? Because I was, I was born three months after they won the Super Bowl. Yeah. It, to me. Come on, Ernie. Come up what? here. What do you got? I was 15 when they won the yeah. Well, no. <laughs> it, actually, first, yeah. 
Ernie, let's Ernie. What's your answer? Because you you can I, honestly, I don't think I can bears. answer that. Like I I lived both. I yeah. lived my formidable years with Michael Jordan. I mean, I and and the, it, that's unfair. That's a great. We don't question. win enough to do that. Like I mean, yeah. it's different if we're like Title Town or something, and we won eleven. Like no, you can, nah, I can't give up Mike, and I can't give up the Bears. I mean, yeah. can we just give the Cubs back? Yeah, yeah. Just give the Cubs back. See, see. <laughs> now. <laughs> no, bump Larry Bird. See, for me, if you would put the White Sox in this thing, I would take the two thousand. Uh 2005 White Sox over all of it. Yeah. Which, no. Yeah. No. But that's why it's an no. individual thing. No. Absolutely not. <laughs> oh. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, I love the White Sox. I love 05. I was at ESPN. I got to walk on the field, but no. <laughs> For I me, think, it's Jordan. I mean, you know, yeah, well, I'd get yeah. back the Bears and keep Jordan, but that's because oh, I grew up back in, to '85. I grew up in the '90s. Yeah. <sighs> you torch you. You might have killed Ernie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, He's not going to sleep well tonight because of that question. If I find out tomorrow Ernie's bears. dead, yeah. Yeah. Bears were, dude, yeah. for all of you that were not alive, <laughs> but the eighty-five Bears. Ernie doesn't even have a mic anymore. He's still going. <laughs> you still work with a ton of them. I'm not giving Jordan the, again. That's oh. Jordan back. Yeah, I mean that was he's the best basketball player of all time. But but again, that's what I grew up with. You know, I was what three years old when the '85 Bears were Super Bowl shuffling. Yeah, <laughs> you're 15. We heard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a tough question. That's a tough a question. One. That's a great question. Yeah. Uh, piggyback on that, it's Bob Dabrowski again. Um, is there any truth to the rumors that uh, the Chicago Bears are looking to solve their kicking position with that uh, Usain Bolts out of Jamaica with his strong legs? What rumors are you reading? Uh, Twitter.com. <laughs> the dark web over there. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> uh, it's Matt again. Bob, Bob Dabrowski's friend. Um, Former friend. Number one, I was, this might be intense, but I was conceived night the Bears won the 5 Super Bowl. Uh, my birthday is October 26, 1986. They won on January 26, 1986. And he threw out this question before we came here, and it was one of the toughest I've ever had to deal with. But I went with the, I would exist, but went with the Bears. Um, what's that? You were 15. <laughs> Whatever. Um, I do have a serious question, though. Um, it seems like there, a lot of times, is a disconnect or a serious connect with a GM and a head coach. Uh, going back to Ryan Pace and John Fox, that seemed like a little bit of a disconnect. The Bears were lucky enough to find a guy who pretty sure was only one of the professional and college scouts doing the same thing, that the Saints kind of hit him under a radar, and the Bears were lucky enough to find him. Um, John Fox, don't want to keep bringing his name up, but opposite end of the spectrum, didn't get along. But with Nagy, it seems like they are on pace. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, pace and Nagy are on the same page all the time 
whereas Fox and Nagy, or I'm sorry, Fox and Pace were not. Uh, but there seems to be a correlation. Teams that are successful, you have that relationship that goes a long way. And the influence of the head coach, uh, depending on who it is, and what influence that has on the team success. Do you have any thoughts on that? Go for and, it. And, thanks, first of all, thanks for the uh, question, Mark Potash. Um, <laughs> 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 no, it's a, good, it's a good question, and I think you're right. Yeah, forever. Figured it out, Bob. Thank you. Um, uh, we're just kidding. We're just kidding. We're, hey, we're having fun here. Uh, look, the the whole John Fox Ryan Pace marriage is still really interesting. That I think you really have to go back to, and unfortunately, I can vividly remember those days. Um, and I can look back on it, and I don't. I don't look at it as a mistake that Ryan Pace's first coach in hire was John Fox. You got to take in mind, it's a first-time general manager, uh, and I think he was getting a lot of pressure from other places in the organization. Think about yep. <laughs> Ernie Acorsi. Um I mean, think about, is it's, way, it's such a different job than most jobs, but if you can envision like your first days on your job, even if it was a, a position of power, per se, like you're still getting your bearings straight, you you don't know anybody in the building that you're around that you're talking to on any given day and John Fox who at this point is a respected head coach in the league essentially falls in your lap he was not coming off a 3 and 13 season he was surprisingly getting fired and that's what I think people got to remember like that was a shock that the Broncos were suddenly partying with him now in hindsight you sort of understand they had their why, reasons yeah uh, after a playoff game but i don't know that all of that was apparent in a matter of days, you get a job. John Fox, it, man, it's so weird. I bring this up every once in a while, but they win that game that weekend. John Fox is never the head coach of the Bears, which is, and who knows who would have been. But um, I think it was an understandable hire at the time. And as weird it is to say, I don't know that John Fox was a complete disaster as a head coach. Yeah. I do think he contributed to the turnaround in the locker room, some of the character that was built in that locker room. Um, you know, I don't know that Danny Trevathan is a bear without John Fox. Guys like that, he does have some imprint on this. He clearly was not the right game day coach, and he was not the right guy to run an offense uh, in today's NFL. Or to have not that he was running it, but to have any influence whatsoever on the offense, and certainly not be the head coach with Mitch Trubisky's quarterback. So I think in the end, it all worked out. He served the purpose. You could add his recruitment of Vic Fangio to that as well, because Fox had that reputation at the time of being able to build great staffs, being able to identify good coaches. And obviously, sure. Fangio had that track record, but convincing Fangio to come to the Bears—that was Fox and Pace. From the get-go. So Fox served the purpose, like you mentioned. He cleaned up the locker room. But once they drafted that quarterback and once things started to play out over the years, I think he had some, I don't know if generational would be the right word, but, you know, they're different in age. They're different in goals. Well, coaches fall. They, the the yeah. league tends to pass guys by. I think yeah. it happened to Lovey, too. Lovey wasn't a bad coach. No. Lovey, Lovey was what they they needed at the time when they were making that Super Bowl run. But even then, you started to see signs that offensively, the Bears were falling behind. And, you know, I think that's where having Nagy at, what is he, 41 now? Yeah. Uh, at, 
he seems to be ahead of the game, not behind it. And now you just got to hope def- defensively they also manage to stay. Yeah, I mean, there was some turmoil. We, we all know Fox and Fangio by the end of it didn't get along with each other. But by that time, Pace and Fangio had a strong relationship. That's why Nagy um, or Pace helped convince Nagy to keep Fangio. So that that was part of the deal early on. So, And then we saw Nagy become, before that, Nagy became Pace's target during his, his coaching search. So you saw changes. People changed. And I thought you saw probably Pace grew into the job a bit. He had to grow into the job. He had to learn more about what he wanted. He had to fix the quarterback spot. He had tried year after year. First, he, had, he was hand-strung by Cutler's contract, and then he wasn't high enough in the draft to strike. You know, he tried trading up for Mariota. He tried trading up for Wentz. Was never high enough, never had enough ammunition to go up and get these guys. By the time they were bad enough, at three, he went and got his quarterback, and at that point, things had changed for John Fox for the future of the Bears. Because look, he's never developed a quarterback before. All right, Peyton Manning. <laughs> <laughs> he did not develop Peyton Manning. <laughs> um, kind of along the same realm as that, uh, and it's a White Sox question. Do you think Rick Renteria might be kind of along the same same sort of manager slash coach is John Fox. I kind of feel like he's not the guy to bring it to to the end, but he does some good things in developing the well, players. worked like, out for the Cubs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. Cubs do the same thing. By the way, John Fox would probably say he'd develop Peyton Manning. <laughs> yes. Uh, Just like he didn't cut Robbie Gold. Come back. No. No. Did, that's. I mean, it's still a tough situation with Renteria right now because the one the one thing about Ricky Renteria is I still would love to see him manage a good team, like a team full of talent. He never got to do that with the Cubs either. As soon as they got good, he was out. So I, I think it's really easy to to say that the Cubs never win a World Series without Joe Madden coming. I don't I don't know that that's the case. They had so much talent up and down the roster that if you tell me right now would they have won a World Series with Ricky Renteria? I I think you, someone could argue yes. Okay. I, I hell the, the 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 biggest problem in game 6 and 7 of the World Series was Joe Madden's managing. Yeah. I mean, he was terrible down the stretch. We I hosted a post-game show that night. The Cubs won the World Series, and we had a, at least a 30-minute conversation about a what if had they lost the game if you had to fire Joe Madden. Like that's how bad the managing was at the end of the World Series. So, um I think managing in baseball is just so different that I I get asked that question a lot of time and you know, are, could there be better managers down the road for the White Sox? Possibly, but I still would like to see this guy get a chance with a good team. You know, when he's got to turn to uh, right now, the, the the White Sox have a, an ace and maybe a couple four starters and a couple number sevens. Yeah. I mean, that's like what they're going through right now with yeah. their with their starting rotation. I mean, that's tough to manage yeah. with that going on. I mean, all great coaches in all sports have great players. I still remember a conversation with, with Fangio asking him, you know, what's the difference? Why are you guys so much better this year? Talking about last year as opposed to its previous years. It's just like, we just got better players. I'd like to see him it. get his hands on more balls. And they did that. Yeah. Yeah, they, they, they just got better players. And yes, you put them in the right spots and whatnot, but all great coaches have great players. Look at every sport. 
This one should be good. This one should be good. From the girl in the Little Mermaid shirt. <laughs> uh, my name's Crystal. I'm from St. Charles. My brother won the tickets and brought me along. So this is like an outside, outside, outside perspective of the Bears. So uh, some of my family members believe that back in the day, maybe around the Walter Payton era, that the main strategy of the Bears was to critically injure the other team's players. Like, cause harm so that they can't play anymore. And, like, it's vicious, but it's all fair in football. And I wondered, hey, do you think that that's true? And if so, how do you feel about that? Is it all fair? Is it, you know, I know there's money on the line, but is there morality in it? Well, the the one thing I'm learning from, I've been diving into this bear scrapbook and reading. I haven't gotten through it all because I've been so busy. But um, a lot of that type of stuff is in the book, like, just the game was so different back then. The physicality and the, you know, Jim McMahon's career essentially ended that way, getting slammed down from a po- opposing player after he had had surgery on his shoulder. Pretty obvious he was targeted way after the whistle, the play was over. Um, and that was a cheap shot, I believe. I'm forgetting the name of that player. Who, Charles Martin. Char- Charles Martin from the Packers. He, he was ejected from that game, and rightfully so, right? So... Um, you know, I think in general the game was different. Was there some of that going on? I'm sure some of our uh, old school guys from WGN Radio, Ed Obradovich and Dan Hampton, would would probably admit it. Um, they also, speaking of really really good players, though, had Hall of Famer after Hall of Famer after Hall of Famer all over the field. So I still think that had more to do with them winning. See, football is such a naturally, excuse me, violent game. That conflict is just part of it. It's part of the resolution, right? The 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 punishment is like hockey is almost the same way. You, you see all the headshots in, in hockey. I know there's a, a movement for safety and whatnot, just like the, it is in the NFL. But it's just naturally part of the game. And when you have emotions hot, um, you have some coaches like Greg Williams who runs B- Bounty Gate and stuff like that. I mean, that's used as motivation to pump up your players to play a game that's already violent and. Yes, I think it's still part of it. Guys like Vontaze Perfect, you know, guys who get suspended continuously after this. Yes, you're going to have dirty players. Uh, Sue, he's a dirty player. I mean, you're, you're going to have these guys playing the game um, because they're just good at being violent. It's just the, the name of the game. Like, but the I, league's doing a better job policing this than I think they did back then too. I mean, yeah. they're, we're still seeing a physical game, but it's easier to identify players like you just brought up yeah. that are clearly crossing yeah. the line. And I think this goes down to all, all levels, too. I remember playing a game in, in high school where uh, a, a tackle on special teams and we're screaming at the the other team from the sideline because we see the guy in the bottom of the pile getting jabbed like in the kidneys, you know, punched because it's, you know, it's a physical game where hatreds come out. It's, I, I don't know, I, whoever's played the game, whether it's hockey or football, it's just part of it. Those piles are nasty, all that stuff. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, I, I know there's like a mutual respect, you know, uh, that forms. You know, like when Lawrence Taylor took out what Joe was a Joe Theismann. You know, he, he didn't mean he didn't mean to do that. You know, you saw him. You know, he was really distraught about it. So you know, there's respect amongst players, but it's just a naturally violent game that even if you don't intend to injure somebody, someone's going to get hurt just because how it is. We got time for maybe one or two more. So let's Hi, my, do it. My name is Kyle. Thanks for having us out. My question is, which team in the division do you think is most likely to make that jump and challenge to be in playoff contention this season? Um, with, within the NFC North? Yep. I'm I not know. buying the Lions at all. 
Why not? Um, <laughs> oh, Jesus. Um, I don't think Matt Patricia. Matthew Stafford. I don't think Matt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think well, they don't have enough talent, yeah. first of all, but I don't think Matt Patricia is going to end up being that good to have a head coach. This is my opinion on that one. I'm not buying He's them. more concerned about reporters' posture. Yeah, that's that's true. Um, I have bad posture. I, I'd have to say the Vikings still. What's interesting, though, about this division is I don't see a team that's really trending up the way the Bears were last year. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the Packers want to say they are because they went and hired a young head coach like Matt Nagy, but I think when you look up and down that um, roster, uh, especially on defense, and as good as Aaron Rodgers is, and nobody's talked up Aaron Rodgers more over the years than I have, he's still one of the older quarterbacks that's going in the wrong direction. So I'm not buying any kind of sudden turnaround for the Packers. So I, it's not really a team to me that's going to make a huge jump forward, yeah. but I still think the Vikings are a, a yeah. good enough team that they could be a problem. But a team that's built defensively, if you don't have that quarterback, quarterbacks keep windows open. They do. It doesn't matter what team. They keep windows open. Is Kirk Cousins that quarterback? Hey, you're the president of the Kirk Cousins fan club. Yeah, well, I... I are you, are you disavowing my membership? Okay, yes. Okay. Finally. Yes. So that window for that defensive-driven team is shrinking. Yes, Kirk Cousins. He's not a bad quarterback. He's not. Not a great one either. Can't win a big game. Can't win a big game. So that window is closing. I thought it was so over underrated last year. You saw so much change in the division. Everybody's all oh, Aaron Rodgers, Matthew Stafford, all this. You know, Kirk Cousins. He's gonna be the difference. But you don't go through that much change and expect to be good. Just instantaneously, there's there's just too much change in the division. I think there's going to be more change in the division. Um, like you said, the Bears seem to be trending upward with a young team. The other teams seem to be trending or treading water, we should say, with older players right now. Yeah. Anything else? Yeah. Uh, Tom, again, uh, thanks for having us out. Appreciate it. Um, so, being a relatively new listener, uh, started about a year ago before last season. Uh, this guy actually turned me on to you guys, so I appreciate that. Tell um, your friends is what I say. It works. Five-star review. I was the one who called in for, for the answer, so I had to bring him along, of course. But <laughs> uh, Yeah, so I'm just curious. Uh, you may have explained it in the past, but I haven't heard anything since I started listening. Um, how did you guys decide when you first started you know, several years ago uh, that you what you wanted to do with this podcast or how... You wanted to kind of put it together. That you guys wanted to do it with one another. What was that, you know, thought process like, and how did that this come to be? Yeah, wow, it's a good question to end on. Actually, I like it. Um, so the full truth is, and and Ernie and Joe this know the, know this really well. I mean, when I left the score to come over here in 2014, we were starting up a sports radio station called The Game, 87.7 The Game, and that Pulling season. Out. <laughs> Bill Emery was a big fan. He was. He get shout out at the combine on the first did. day. Bill Emery was a big fan. Um, maybe that should have been the first warning sign. <laughs> 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 Bill Emery loved it. It's like like all his draft picks. Leave <laughs> um, Shane McClellan out of this. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. So. Yeah. So that was the 2014 season, which was. Maybe one of the most, if not the most disastrous season in Bears history. You know, it's up there. And year two of Tressman? Yep, that was that was when everything fell apart that that year. Um, and but it was also oddly 
maybe the most fun I've had covering the team because it was the only season that I was really on a day-to-day uh, updating a sports radio station, just where everything was Bears, everything was sports all the time. Um I was on with Harry Tynowitz in the afternoon and Jared Payton and Spike Manton from House Hall every single day at like 3 o'clock hour. Um, I guess what I'm getting at, that all ended at the end of the year. But I was still kept here at WGN Radio and have loved it ever since. But WGN Radio is not a sports station, so it's very different um, covering the team for a news talk station. I think we do a tremendous job here of covering the Bears and have continued to do that. Um, but it's just obviously not football 24-7 like it is you know, in the, in the sports radio world during the fall. So, and the audience is a lot different too. That's probably the biggest thing is you're, you're no longer talking to the hardcore sports fan all the time. The, you know, the type of fan that knows what a three technique is and you know you you can get away with terminology of just sometimes I got to explain things a little bit I don't know vague is the right word but when I go on the Steve Cocker show in the mornings after games uh, you know I'm not being as technical as I usually am on this podcast and I love talking about football that way so it's a long way of saying the following season in 2015 when um I was just covering the team for WGM Radio, and it was no longer a sports radio conversation all the time. Like I wanted an outlet to break down the Bears the way I wanted to. Like I almost had to get it out of my own system, and so it really just started with me being like, "All right, um, want to start a podcast? I think a Bears podcast could be successful." I don't even know if there were any that existed. There probably There's one, yeah. Maybe there were, but there weren't any in the media. That's for sure. And so I started doing it. Um, and then the way I had to do it just to fill time. So I wasn't talking to myself was to just start getting, he used to annoy all of us. Hey, you got got five minutes for me. (laughs) 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 I'm sorry. I annoyed you so what? Hey moon, you got 10 minutes. No, how much are you annoyed? Hey moon, you got 10 minutes. No. Yeah. I like that. So, um, (laughs) You know, once you go through, uh, what, 10 episodes or so, you're through the entire Bears media core. Yeah. And, uh, and Johns and I get along, obviously, uh, when he shows up on time, which is never. And uh, we also lived really close together at that point, too, which made it easier. So I just kind of said, hey, you want to just do this permanently? And that was... Uh, I said yes. Yeah. That was right. five years ago. And... It's been, uh, actually, I guess that would be four years ago. This would be our fifth season coming up that we're doing the podcast. Yeah. But yeah. Um, I didn't know that it would be all this back then. I'm glad it has become that, and I hope it continues to grow. But that's basically the backstory. Why did you do this? To talk to you. Wow. Really? Everybody else paid me just, you know, hey, can you just get hold off our backs? You know? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I felt like talking bears. Uh, that's that's really it. Um, you write so much, and a lot of times you don't get to. Like I used to have a word count. You can't get it all out in six hundred fifty words, or you know, a thousand words sometimes on the same subject when you have a lot to say. We were down at training camp when it started, and you see so many different things. And to to be honest with you, I thought it was therapeutic at first because you would see so many different things, and it helped get your your, your thoughts out there. Um, made me a better writer. Uh, 
better at interviewing people and whatnot. So that's really it. I just wanted to keep talking bears. Therapeutic's a good word because, I mean, I think hopefully you guys can tell on this podcast that we're pretty passionate about covering football. And so, um, you know, after games, we want to talk about it. We didn't used to do the post-game episode. That only started a couple seasons ago. Um, But kind of getting that out of your system after games is honestly very helpful. Because after a game, you have like this deadline rush to, to do so much in this condensed period of time, but you would forget about things. And getting a chance to sit in, in the press box or, or, or a booth later, you start to visualize with, with plays a possum again. running across yeah, the field. Yeah, the, the, the possum and stuff. We've done some fun ones too. Um, you know, there, there's times where Adam would then travel to games and I'd be in a cab going to. Was that the 49ers game? That, <laughs> was that a fun episode or what? Where we passed the phone. Oh, yeah. You guys were yeah, just yeah. passing the phone around. Yeah, we, we gave it to the Uber. The Uber driver got in that, too. Yeah. And yeah. I was actually. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He was not happy with us by the end of it. Yeah. <laughs> and I can't remember if I explained my situation for that one, but I was actually recording that in my in law's yeah. basement. Yeah. 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 So, so we were all over the place. Yeah. On that one. And we were catching a red eye. And we got in the Uber. I was sitting shotgun. I remember passing the the phone around in the Uber to, to friends, I think. yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Well, it was Mark Potash and Patrick Finley from the Sun Times and our Uber driver. <laughs> what was his name? Yeah, should have put him on. Yeah. yeah, those are the fun ones, though. Yeah. So, so. quick follow up: What's it like uh, recruiting a top producing talent like uh, Joe Romano? You know. Question. <laughs> uh, next <Yeah>. question. <laughs> You play that soundbite or what? This will get tightened up on the podcast. See, I got this friend named Joey Jojo Jr. Shabadoo. That's the worst name I ever heard. Hi, Joey Jojo! Classic. That actually goes back to the game. Yep. Yep. Because that's used on Quigs and Finford, probably the best show on the game. Everybody remembers that one. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, we do. But Joe's been fantastic. I listen every yeah. day. This show would not survive with everything that Joe... Joe does a for, lot. Yes. Including, um, you know, we we actually have to end this right now because it's past Joe's bedtime. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> which, which is accurate. What time do you usually go to bed? Uh, now-ish, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got to get, get get him out of here. Well, thanks for everyone who showed up tonight. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed it. Hopefully you enjoyed the view if you didn't enjoy the podcast. Um, enjoyed the food. Houndstooth, thanks for... for could be some fireworks soon. Yeah. I think they're kicking us out of here, though. I'll, well, I also, on that front, after we kind of promoted that, I was told that the view is actually not as great as you think it would be oh. for the fireworks. Okay. so Sorry, bad information. Yep. Doesn't yeah. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, for our listeners at home, Studio A is the better <laughs> the better view of the, the fireworks none of us are actually going to see. Um, all right. We, we do need to get out of here. Thanks so much for everyone who came by tonight. Uh, this was a lot of fun. And um, hopefully we'll do it again. We are going to do the live show at Houndstooth on September 4th. And hopefully we'll Beers have- in hand? Yeah. Yeah. And definitely. Yes. Yes. Cheese curds, too. <laughs> and we'll have uh, hopefully more shows to uh, announce in the future as well. So thanks to Joe Romano. Yes, thank you, everybody. He's a man. Also need to thank Marlene Wells. She helped so much. She's been at WGN forever. Future Walk of Fame member. 
uh, and she helped get everyone here in the building tonight, get the food here, so we appreciate that. Thanks to Houndstooth. Thanks to Brett Jackson, who helped engineer. Adam Phillips, behind the glass, engineering tonight, too. Our guy, Ernie Scatton. And Tabitha Green as well. She's our director of marketing and digital innovation. This is actually all her idea. So great idea, Tabitha. We'll Thank do it again. Yeah. Thank you. Hey, Tabitha. <laughs> all right. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, at Adam Johns, at Joey Joe Rowe. And Ernie doesn't use his Twitter, but he's that shy voice man. I don't think he's tweeted in like four years. Uh, but you can follow him as well. Read us at WGNRadio.com slash Bears, TheAthletic.com, or on the Athletic app. Please rate and review it. More importantly, tell a friend like our guys in the back there. And it'll bring more listeners here to WGN. Do it. Talk to you in a couple weeks. We're off for the fourth. Bye. We're going to be simple. We're going to play fast. We're going to play hard. We're going to kill it, okay? This is a great acronym, you guys, right? Kill it. Keep it likable and learnable. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it.